2: on wbc talk radio the number one talk radio station in these united states always a pleasure and privilege to speak to you every saturday afternoon between 1 and 2 p.m and i know we have people around the country and affiliated stations so uh thank you to regular listeners for joining and thank you for the newcomers so let me uh start by by the way i hope everybody's having a great summer so far we're midway through the summer already isn't that amazing Summer is half over. <laughs> I mean, I hate summer coming to an end. By the way, this is one of my favorite seasons of the year. But then fall comes and we get to watch football, so everything is good. And don't forget tomorrow, boy. Tomorrow morning, got to watch the the tennis match of the century, uh, the Wimbledon men's final between Alcatraz and. Uh, Djokovic. So I'm really looking forward to breakfast at Wimbledon tomorrow. Um, I want to talk a bunch, a bunch of issues today. Um, I want to start with this. I think it's a kind of an incredible story. This was brought to me by, uh, my friends at a group called the Institute for Energy Research. And what they found was, and these are based on New York City, um, fire department statistics. They found that, and I'm just going to read you this press release. So far this year, there have been 108 lithium-ion battery fires in New York City. They have injured 66 people, and they have killed 13 people. The most recent was a fire at an e-bike shop that killed four people near midnight on the morning of June 21st and left two individuals in critical condition because of their burns. The fire commissioner warned New Yorkers that such devices could be very dangerous. And they're talking about the batteries and the electric vehicles. And t- typically they exploded in such a way that rendered escape impossible. Impossible. Uh, continuing with this story, quote, In just three years, lithium battery fires have been tied to electric fires and have surpassed blazes started by cooking and smoking for major causes of total fires in New York City. Now think about that. Um now let me say this. If we have 13 deaths in a city of 16 million, I mean 6 million people, you know that's not a crisis by any means. So I don't want to exaggerate this in any way. But I just find it somewhat ironic and I wonder if you all do too that the left and the safety people um are and the do-gooders are all in on electric batteries. Right now in New York City, roughly less than 10 percent of the cars have electric batteries. And yet we're, you're finding these fires happening and other hazards because of the electric battery cars. Um, What happens when we go to, as Biden wants, 70, 80, 90, 100 percent of the cars being electric vehicles? Do you want the government, by the way, to tell you you have to buy an electric vehicle? I don't. I don't. And I like electric vehicles. I mean, I've driven them. I've driven a Tesla. It's an amazing vehicle. Uh, The way it it accelerates, I love that. Uh, And it's a free country. And if you want to buy an electric vehicle, you are, you have my blessing. But I think it's completely wrong for the government to tell people what kind of car they have to buy. And polls show well more than 60% of Americans do not want an electric vehicle, partly because they can't afford them. But what I'm getting at here, though, is the hypocrisy here, because think about this. Probably nationwide, there have been maybe 100 deaths due to electric vehicle fires. Um, that is more people, far more people than died at third, three Mile Island, remember, Three Mile Island was the nuclear accident that happened. I think it was around 1978 or so. I don't remember the exact year. Late 70s, might have been early 80s, but I think it was around 77, 78. Um, might have been, might have been actually earlier than that. But my point is, we had a hundred, we had a over a hundred deaths from electric vehicles this past year, and yet n- almost no. There might have been one or two deaths from uh, Three Mile Island, but Not many. Not many. And yet, after the Three Mile Island accident, we stopped building nuclear plants. The left basically stopped nuclear plants from being built in this country because of the accident that happened in Three Mile Island. Now, wait a minute here. Fewer people died from Three Mile Island than have died from these battery accidents. And yet the left wants to force everybody to have a battery in their car why is it that we haven't built a nuclear power plant in what is it 40 years or so in this country i think one or two of them are being planned right now but how hypocritical is this now let me give you some other examples um the left loves to ban things right if they if if anything is even slightly unsafe they want to ban uh rollerblades they want to ban um Here's a a list of these things. They want to be on uh, diving boards. You know, when I was a kid, we had a high board at our swimming pool. And we used to love taking the big dives and the big cannonballs off of the high dive. And some of the girls, oh, my God, these teenage girls were the most amazing divers. And I would just love to watch these girls, you know, what they could do with the triple twists and somersaults and stuff. It was really incredible. I loved the high dive. Well, most swimming pools around the country have a have banned this the high dive because of accidents um they have banned um where's this list here oh yeah they've banned um well oh re- does anybody remember the uh corvair uh for older folks listening to this show you will remember that in the mid 1970s ralph nader wrote a famous book called unsafe at any speed and in that book Uh, he took aim at the Corvair because in the Corvair, the engine was in the back of the car, not in the front of the car. And he said that accidents, when a car would hit you from behind, it would cause an explosion and people would die and so on. Well, it turns out fewer people died from accidents from in Corvair than people are dying from electric vehicle accidents and from the fires. So wait a minute. Maybe I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe the car that's unsafe at any speed, that was the name of Ralph Nader's famous book. Maybe it's the electric vehicle cars. So why is the left willing to tolerate deaths from electric vehicles, but not uh but you know, but they want to ban all of these other things like fireworks. They want to ban fireworks. And the answer is because they are so consumed with this um obsession with climate change. Now, whether or not the United States drivers use electric battery cars or they use uh, the old-fashioned co- combustible engine cars, it's not going to affect the temperature of the planet one iota, right? I mean, I think some of the st- studies show it might reduce the uh, temperature by 0.001%. So it's, it's de minimis. It's ze- it's very, very close to zero. And yet it's almost they want to do this for symbolic reasons, that we all have to sacrifice to the gods of climate change, which I think is really outrageous. And I wonder what New Yorkers think about that, since most of you listening to the show are in the New York area. Uh, the other topic I wanted to bring up was this new study that just came out by the, it was based on data from the Internal Revenue Service that showed that the richest 1% in American, uh, the top 1%, those 1% who Joe Biden is saying pay almost no taxes. He said the other day that they only pay four, five, six, seven, eight percent in taxes of their income. I don't know how in the world he came up with that number. I don't, I know, I'm not rich myself, but I do know rich people, and I guarantee you they're paying a lot more than four, five, six, seven, eight percent of their income in taxes. And um, so it turns out that that top one percent, which is supposedly paying no income tax, pays more in income taxes. Are you ready for this? not just more than the uh, bottom 50%, not just more than the bottom 60%, not just more than the the bottom 75% or 80% or even 90%. The top 1% pay more in income tax than the bottom 95%. So let me put that in a way that's easier to understand. What I'm saying to you is the richest 1%, the millionaires and billionaires pay more total income tax than 95 out of a hundred Americans. Now I would, I would argue that is a steeply, steeply progressive tax system when we're depending on the top 1% to pay almost all, almost half of the income tax is paid by 1% of Americans and they pay more than 95 out of a hundred Americans. So I wonder what you think about that, folks. Do you think that's a fair system? Do we want a system where the top 1% pay 99% of the taxes, 99.5%? Does Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren want the top 1% to pay all the income taxes? So only this one group of rich people over here, you know, the Warren Buffetts and the LeBron James and the Tiger Woods and, uh, you know, the Taylor Swifts are going to pay all the taxes in this country? Really? Do you think that's fair? I don't. I think everybody. Look, I do think we should have a system where if you make a million dollars, you should pay 10 times more tax than someone who makes $100,000. I do think it should be proportional to your income, but I don't think it's a healthy thing for a democracy to depend on just 1% of American taxpayers to pay all of the taxes. Now, the reason I bring this up, this is our question of the day for the More Money Hotline, which we will start taking your calls um, in the last 15 minutes of this show, is this. Do you favor, and I'm going to give you three alternatives, okay? Alternative number one is our current system with all these loopholes and tax credits and special interest provisions, um, but with very high tax rates, as high as 40 or 50%, or do you favor something called the flat tax that my friend Steve Forbes has been promoting where you'd have an 18% flat tax and everybody pays 18% of their income. The only deductions you get are for yourself and your children, but then you pay your 18%, you're done. You can do it on a postcard tax return. I love that idea. You can do it in a few hours, not a few days or weeks. Um, or the third alternative is something called the fair tax, which would eliminate the federal income tax altogether. It would eliminate the capital gains tax, the corporate tax, the, the dividend tax, the inheritance tax, and the individual income tax, and it would replace it with about an 18 percent, national sales tax so you just pay your taxes when you consume things at the store just like you new yorkers and people from new jersey know when you purchase something you have to pay a sales tax well instead of having any income tax you just pay a sales, ta- a sales tax i think that would be can you imagine if the united states of america had no income tax how every single penny from all over the world would want to come here to build businesses because we would be the lowest tax rate country in the world so i'd love your attitude about this folks i'd love your opinion what do you like? Do you like the the I think the vulgar and incomprehensible tax system we have now, or do you prefer the national sales tax idea, or do you prefer the flat tax? I want to hear from you. Our number for that um, more money hotline is 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, or an easier way to remember it is 1-800-848-WABC. I will be taking your calls. How do we fix this tax system? Do we want to just soak the rich, sack it to the rich people? Or do we want something that has encouraged more businesses, more jobs, more growth, more prosperity? I, I can't decide, by the way, between the flat tax and the national sales tax. I want to hear your opinion. We'll be right back. This is The More Money Show on WABC.
1: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window.
2: It's More
1: Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore.
3: Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. Now we get to our, my favorite segment of the show where we talk about your finances and how to make more money because this is the More Money Show. I have two of the best in the business, and uh, Bob and uh, uh, Bob and Ryan Payne, gentlemen, thanks for joining again. Another tumultuous week in the markets, and with economic news, we got this jobs report late last week that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, some of the manufacturing numbers that have been coming in are causing some concern. How worried should investors be? Hey, Steve, you
4: know the um, the news has been you know up and down, as you said, and you know, all over the place, but. You know, I've learned over my 50 years is that the markets speak louder than words. And as we speak right now, the S&P at a 52-week new high.
3: 52 weeks. <laughs> That's pretty amazing.
4: It really is. It's uh, And it's been a it, it was great week for the markets, not just for U.S. markets, but all markets. Right across the board, um, we're seeing everything moving into positive. So great week to be an investor.
3: So, Ryan, you know, why do I – hear so much um, and read so much kind of negative news in the media about the economy and the stock market. And uh, I hear so many people, Oh my gosh, the turn is coming and we're going to see a big, uh, you know, big decline in stocks. You're not buying it.
5: Well, I love wall street strategists, Steve. They've been dead wrong. <laughs> so instead of admitting they're wrong, they just keep pushing out their they uh, <laughs> forecasts because <laughs> yeah. eventually they'll be right, you know, broken clocks right twice a day. Um, and I think, It's dangerous here because they have been wrong. And like Bob likes to say, it's okay to be wrong, not okay to stay wrong. Um, But, you know, the bottom line is if you look at the economic data, again, we have inflation coming down significantly. We still have a strong job market, which means wages will most likely stay strong. We have baby boomers, which are 59 million people with $75 trillion to spend, Um, you know, we think this economy is going to keep moving in the right direction, so it's very dangerous to listening to those naysayers that have been <laughs> continually wrong. I don't think they're all yeah. going to magically be right. Yeah, I always say economists have predicted uh,
3: you know, 10 of the last three recessions, so <laughs> they do tend to be doomsayers. Uh, we got really good news this week on inflation. Both the consumer price index uh that was down to just a little over 3%, but the more amazing thing was that producer price index number, Bob.
4: Yeah, you know what, Steve. It's uh, everything's been coming down slowly. It's been moderating. And, you know, it turned out some parts of inflation were transitory, and some parts a little more sticky. And I right. guess that's what the market's going to grapple with going forward. But um, you know, when you have moderating inflation, it's and it's almost as if you know, the news doesn't matter. It's really the direction, right? So you know, markets don't really care if things are getting better or things are getting worse, right? They they just they like to follow the direction, and clearly. Things are getting better when it comes to the economy, it comes to inflation, and it comes to interest rates.
3: So you 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 mentioned the fact that we have that fifty-two week high in the um, in the S and P. Is this a time to stay in the market, or is it time maybe to take some profits?
4: Well, I got to tell you, it's never been a better time to be an investor, right? You had bond yields that backed up last year. You finally were able to get a good return on a bond investment. You have stocks that are relatively uh cheap in their valuations other than, you know, large company growth stocks. So there's plenty of opportunities within the value part of the market, small cap, international, real estate, investment trust, um, still lots of opportunity to be an investor. It's, it's as key as being diversified, as we say, week after week. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. Have that basket
3: full of different eggs. Brian, we have just a few minutes left. I wanted to ask you about the Fed. Uh, the betting is that the Fed is looking at, one or two more rate increases. I hear some people say they may go to 6% on the federal funds rate. Uh, What do you think they will do, and what do you think they should do?
5: Uh, I don't think they should do anything. I think, you know, having a 500 (laughs) basis point move is is extremely uh, restrictive. It's restrictive enough. I mean, you have over 7% on mortgage rates right now. Um, But our view is you'll probably have one and done, meaning we may get one more hike here. At the end of this month, but after that, with the way inflation is coming down now and surprisingly uh, faster than it has been anticipated and that rent inflation, which is a big component of that CPI number, that should that should continue to come down pretty significantly. So our view is we're at the end of that tightening of monetary policy at this point and all eyes are going to be on earnings and growth in the economy. And, and as Bob and I have been looking pointing out is that looks very good here, Steve.
3: And so, Bob, um, one last question on the way out here: Uh, Do you think that we're going to see um, any kind of big, lasting problems in the commercial real estate market, and how will that affect the market?
4: Well, you know, it was really interesting, Steve. We had J.P. Morgan report earnings today; they were fantastic. Uh, But of course, that's a bigger bank, and commercial real estate is generally more of an. It's probably going to be an issue more for the smaller banks. So we have to see whether or not the government's going to require them to put a larger percentage of money on their loan books. So, uh, but I tell you, it was very encouraging to see Wells Fargo beat their estimates. JP yeah. Morgan beat their estimates. Yep. And I think that's going to be the theme, you know, for the next couple of months, a couple of weeks. And earn- as earnings come out, you're going to see these uh, negative earnings estimates be uh. on the wrong side of history.
3: Well, be bullish. It sounds like that's the theme of uh, <laughs> pains as always. And uh, before we go uh, to our next segment, can you guys give our listeners uh, your uh proposal or your you know offer on the consultation
5: yeah for the for the remainder of the show if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement all you have to do is call or text at 844-752-6692 that's 844 if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan that's 844 plan n y c eight 844-PLANNYC Steve
3: Great stuff, guys. As always, that's Bob and Ryan Payne, two of the best in the business. We'll be right back. This is the More Money Show.
5: So, okay, if you're listening right now, and you, you get it. Bob and Ryan, you've been right. The world's not going to end. You know, the economy's not falling off a cliff. I've got to make some decisions about my retirement. Well, here's a shot to do it. We leave every week 10 slots open throughout the whole show. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you. Our total financial master plan will do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do all this legwork up front. We literally build you your own personalized financial portal. We give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and just hone in on every issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? There's lots of ways to take it. One right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money, factoring in inflation? We put together a full dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile over the course of the last two years, to say the least. Has your portfolio been like a yo-yo? Or have you been sitting in cash trying to figure out what to do, paralysis, bioanalysis with your money? We're going to put together a full investment game plan tied to your goals, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you. High-cost, tax-inefficient products like annuities, insurance products, brokerage products, mutual funds. We're going to go through every single investment you own, do a deep dive, show you how to reduce all the hidden costs on your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You're going to get our full tax playbook. We've got 10 slots if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement.
4: Hey, all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844 752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844 A N N Y C. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost, no obligation. No other firm will do this for you with no cost. All you have to do is be one of our next 10 callers and simply call 844 752 6692, that's 844-752-6692, or just call 844-PLAN-NYC,
5: 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, in our firm, Payton Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-A, in our collective 75 years of advising families on their wealth, you know, one thing we found is one of the biggest problems when it comes to your financial planning isn't necessarily making the wrong decision but failing to make a decision at all, the proverbial paralysis by analysis.
4: Yeah, that's a huge issue, right? Because you know what? When you think about planning, it, it, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of decisions that have to be made. And, you know, give yourself a break. You don't have to make all those decisions all at once. You have to take it one step at a time. And just like in every journey, you know, and no matter how long it is, got to take that first step.
5: Yeah, and there's just so many decisions to make, right? Like, when do I take Social Security? Do I need long-term care? Do I need insurance at all? You know, where is my investment income going to come from? Do I buy an annuity? Do I invest for growth? How much risk should I have in my portfolio? What kind of tax planning? Like, the list goes on and on. And I understand why a lot of you don't want to do the planning because it is overwhelming, (laughs) right? I mean, at the end of the day, it is a lot of moving parts. You know, it's not some just one fits all approach where you can just plug things in and magically you've got an investment plan and a financial plan for retirement.
4: Yeah, it is a tad overwhelming ride because it's like the two things in life that you never, ever want to think about. Number one, your own mortality, right? Uh, you're not going to live forever. And secondly, you got to decide on how much money you need. So you have to have a budget. Now, asking someone to put together a budget is like telling someone, hey, I got this awesome diet I need you to go on next week. <laughs>
5: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you again. Um, but no, it, it is true. And it is like, right. It's that first step that you have to take because you can't answer all those questions at once. It's nearly impossible. But to your point, the first place to start is we always talk about reverse engineering or the ADB process. You're trying to get from point A to point B. And ideally you want to do it with the least amount of risk and the highest odds of success. You know, something we talk about all the time, it's like a GPS. You plug in the coordinates and it gives you the optimal route, but you have to put in where you're going first. And I think that's the biggest mistake most of us make is we don't really know where we're going. We don't know what that retirement date is. We don't know how much money we need to live on, but that's what we have to solve for in the beginning.
4: Yeah, that's a big misnomer, right? The big uh, you know, conundrum is, you know, hey, what's my goal? I want to make money. Well, making money is not a goal, right? I mean, look, you want to make money, correct? But why do you need to make money, right? Do you want to live for the rest of your life? You're not going to do that, right? You can't live forever. Um, you're going to work the rest of your life. That you know That's an option. But you need to make a decision, right, on, on certain things. So you have to do a little bit of research. And that's where I start to see the problems now is that there's all this information out on the Internet. You would think, oh, my gosh, I just
5: Google it. I got all the answers. But that could be a really dangerous place to go. It's terrible because it's like there's too much information now, right? I mean, you would think – With more information, right, you'd be a better consumer. But the problem is there's so many conflicting viewpoints. There's so many different ways to cut a cake that it becomes so overwhelming that it really does become hard to make a decision. And I think the other thing, too, is, look, there's a lot of ways to cut a cake, you know, but you have to come up with one strategy and discipline that's going to get you to your goals so you can live off of your money. But the problem is when you do that research online, it's just there's so much bad information out there, and how do you know it's good information versus bad information? And I think that's what happens is you get this just like influx, and then you don't do anything at all, and no decisions. You like to say Bob is a decision, but it's a very bad decision when it comes to your financial health.
4: Yeah, and it actually, it, it's very simple uh, when you think about it, Rye. Investing is common sense, and I think the question everyone has to ask themselves right now: Do you know what you own, and do you know why you own it? And and that's really really have a problem with a a lot of our uh, competitors and a lot of our colleagues in our industry is they create that confusion. They want you to be confused. They want to be perceived as the expert (laughs) instead of making it simple. So if you can't explain your financial plan and your investments to your grandchild in the next five seconds, you've got the wrong people helping you out right now.
5: Yeah. Simplicity over complexity. And I mean, that's the biggest complaint, right? I I went and sat down with my broker advisor and I'm more confused now after sitting down with them <laughs> because <laughs> they use a lot of jargon. Uh, they're talking about all these great investments I own or products. And, I mean, that's basically what our industry looks like, right? You end up with a collection of investments. You have no idea what you own. You don't know if it's helping you or hurting you. Um, and then you go to a financial professional. You can't understand what they're talking about. Um, and it's just like a it gives a bad rap on our industry in general. And I think it's so important that you understand everything that you're doing, and it's not rocket science. It can be broken down in a way that's understandable to you. If you don't understand it, it's not your problem. <laughs> you know, it's not you or the issue. The problem is who's giving you advice and what advice that you're getting.
4: Yeah. So what I hear you saying, right loud and clear, is it's process over product. There is no specific investment product that's going to solve all your your investment problems. Um, you want to have a process that incorporates everything, both your passive income, your earned income, and your investment income. And I think the most important thing, I think what a lot of folks are lacking, and you and I see it every week, there's no income plan, right? Income is so critical, you know, to your success in your financial
5: plan. And it's such a basic concept, right? The paycheck stops. You know what income <laughs> has to come in. And it's just coming up with the math and how do you generate that income? How do you draw from your portfolio? What's the best way to do it from taxes, from a tax perspective? And also factoring in inflation because whatever you need today is going to double over the next 20 years because of inflation. But these are all the questions you need to answer. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I am processed by analysis. I don't understand my advisor. I don't understand what my portfolio is doing. Well, here's your shot to get clarity. We literally still have. Six slots left. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. Actually do the planning first. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we'll just hone in on every single issue you need to address today, whether it's that income plan for retirement, how to draw from Social Security, how to pull from your portfolio, how to factor inflation, A dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile. Your portfolio's probably been all over the place. Or you've just been sitting in cash, not sure what to do, paralysis by analysis, as markets are going higher. Well, we're going to put together a full investment game plan tied to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you those high-cost, fee-laden products like annuities insurance products, mutual funds, brokerage products. We're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you how to reduce the cost on your portfolio, optimize it for taxes. Now what you make is what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We have six slots left if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Hey, we're sorry if you missed out last week, but we have
4: six opportunities today. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Six six nine two, Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next six callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no upfront cost. All you have to do is be one of our next six callers. Call 844-752-6692. That's 844 752-6692, 752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's
5: 844 A N N Y C. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob, our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to BeBullish.com. That's BeBullish.com. You can learn more about our firm. And stay tuned. We got more, more money coming.
1: W A B C.
5: This is Ryan Payne filling in for Bob for this week's market update and the animal spirits were alive and well on the street of dreams on the week. The Dow Jones industrial average rose 2.3%. The S and P 500 was up 2.4% and the tech heavy NASDAQ composite soared 3.3%. The S and P 500 is now up almost 18% for the year while the NASDAQ 100 has climbed to a mind blowing 43%. Folks, we're only halfway through the year. And Wall Street had a lot to cheer about this past week. On Wednesday, the Labor Department released the June Consumer Price Index. Headline and core inflation rose only 0.2%, respectively, 3% year over year. Inflation is now down 6.1% in the last 12 months, marking the largest decline since 2009. Bottom line is since the direction of inflation is down, the direction of the stock market is up. It's really that simple, and it's a major reason the stock market has raced higher in 2023. The good news continued Friday as second quarter earnings season began with the banks, and it was a party. JPMorgan Chase posted record profits. Citigroup saw big revenue gains in credit cards, and Wells Fargo boosted forecasts for loan revenue. Bank loan defaults are still historically very, very low, showing no signs of skyrocketing. Another good sign for the consumer and invariably the economy. The Goldilocks scenario is alive and well as inflation pressures decline while the economy remains fairly robust, a pretty good backdrop for risk assets. If you're sitting and wondering, is my portfolio positioned for the current economic environment? Is my financial future secure? Well, here's your shot to find out. If you've saved over a $1 million for your retirement, simply call or text at 844-752-6692. That's 844 844- 752-6692-844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC.
0: Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y ycom These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's More
1: Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore.
2: Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. And we are now going to turn to our two guests this afternoon. We have E.J. and Tony. Mr. Producer, do we have E.J. on? Steve, how are you? E.J., fantastic. And we're also joined by Tiana Lodesher, who is a columnist with the Washington Examiner and an oftentimes guest that you see on Fox Business News. Uh, Thanks both for joining um, E.J., I was on a panel this uh, uh, week with a bunch of first-rate economists, um, including Steve Forbes and including David Bonson. Um, and we were talking about the inflation numbers that just came out. And uh, all four of the people on the panel said that, you know, the inflation problem has really been conquered. And obviously, we have the CPI now down to just a little over 3%. And we also we have the producer price index number, which is uh, which in came came in even lower than that. Uh, is this a premature declaration of victory? I, I think
6: so, Steve, because there's a lot of indicators that inflation still has a long way to go, and the Fed has been taking extraordinary steps to bring inflation down. If the Fed were to stop any of those extraordinary measures, inflation is going to take off running again. As just one example, they're they're using very unorthodox measures to basically sterilize $2 trillion, which basically just means they're keeping it out of the private economy. But if they were to stop doing that, in other words, if they were to return Mm -hmm. to normal operations, you would have this flood of money getting poured into the economy and inflation would start taking off again. So I think people underestimate just how long of a way we have to go here before we can really declare victory.
2: So before I get to Tiana, um, do you think that the Fed should or should not raise rates again uh, in the weeks ahead?
6: I think they definitely need to. And what speaks to that is the fact that they have to use something called uh, the reverse repo market to keep uh, interest rates where they are. And again, under normal operating conditions, those operations aren't very big, but today, those operations are over $2.1 trillion on a daily basis. So that gives you an idea of how much of their balance sheet they need to sell off in order to get us to the interest rates that we are supposedly at today.
2: So, Tiana, uh, obviously, E.J. is saying that we still have a a road to hoe when it comes to inflation. Uh, What is your thought about this? And also, what are the political implications of these numbers? Because, as you know, for the last – uh 18 months or so Biden's taken a beating because of these high prices it's really put an incredible stress on american families um the consensus of these economists that i was talking to who i greatly respect was that you know now the problem isn't going to be inflation going forward but just slow really slow meager economic growth what what say you
0: so i agree with ej i think that democrats who are celebrating that they've conquered inflation are not just out of touch with how ordinary Americans are feeling, but also with the reality. The Fed has anchored inflation expectations to the point where investors are anticipating another rate hike because they know that Jerome Powell is not going to accept a permanent 3% inflation rate. If we had that, we would lose two-thirds of the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar by the end of the century relative to a 2% inflation expectation, right? So you cannot bring in an expectation of a higher inflation rate. A lot of the drop off of headline CPI and headline PCE has been because of um, the has been because the lag off effect of those supply chain um, disruptions because of the war in Ukraine. Right. So a lot of those food and energy costs that were driven up by Russia's initial invasion, that's dropped off of the annual CPI and the annual CPI and the annual PCE read. But we've seen, as in the hotline from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, that median CPI, which, which takes out those outliers, is much more stagnant. When we also look at the Atlanta Fed's measure of sticky CPI inflation versus flexible CPI inflation, all the flexible inflation has dropped off, right? But that sticky price inflation has stayed really high. And it's the number one issue that voters still care about, right?
2: So the prices are up. About 16% since Biden came to office. E.J., is that about the right number? Yeah, that's about right. Now, wholesale yeah. inflation is a little
6: bit higher than that. But, yeah, that's about right for consumer inflation.
2: So 16%, so, uh, that means – and I, I'm going to say that that is basically just a tax on American consumers and American households and Americans' incomes, and that's a pretty hefty tax. It's like a sales tax. And, uh, T., that's really put a lot of stress on families.
0: Absolutely. We know, thanks to a lot of the research that the committee has done, the regulatory costs, the loss in household purchasing power. And remember, it is all directly to fund Biden's agenda. While the Federal Reserve has been forced to, in my opinion, rightly raise interest rates, which have real costs for for ordinary Americans trying to get a mortgage, trying to get a car loan or a home loan, Biden has been pursuing an explicitly inflationary agenda at the time when even uh, Keynes admitted, left-wing economist, you spend against the wind. He has been spending like a drunken sailor, despite the fact that we were out, we were coming out of that post-COVID growth that, thanks to Donald Trump, we had the vaccines and everything was starting on its own. Demand did not need to be bolstered. There's a reason why why liberal economists like Larry Summers pointed out the, the that the Inflation Reduction Act, that the American Rescue Plan, it was all just throwing too much fuel on a fire that was already too hot.
2: So uh, I'm very pleased to hear that Tiana is a regular reader of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline. And by the way, folks, if you are not getting that, you know, the great thing about the Committee to Unleash Prosperity that I run with with Larry Kudlow and Art Laffer and Steve Forbes is that we have no inflation. Did you know that, uh, DJ? There's no inflation because our price of our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline is zero. So all people have to do is just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity dot com uh, website and just sign up for the hotline, which Newt Gingrich says is the first thing he reads every morning. That's committee to unleash dot com. E.J., back to you. Um, the T was talking about this idea of this median uh, CPI rather than the official inflation number. And I, I think it's a really interesting point because, you know, when I Walking down the street sometimes in Washington or New York, people will come up to me and they'll say, Steve Moore, why do you keep saying inflation is only three or four or 5% or whatever the official number is? People really have an attitude, uh, and and a a perception that what they're buying and they have to buy is more than, in other words, they don't believe the inflation rate is that low. Are they wrong? No, I, I think they're right, and you know, Steve. We we see this, for example, uh, in,
6: in a recent report by I believe it was Costco, actually, uh, where the CEO said that they are observing a, a recession indicator where people are switching from uh, more expensive cuts of beef, for example, to mm-hmm. cheaper cuts of beef, and they're making right. other substitutes as well. Uh, but essentially, what that does is it causes those higher end cuts, let's say filet mignon. Uh, The price of that does not go up as fast as the price of something like ground Uh beef because at the same time you have the inflation effect that causes all prices to rise. You also have what we call a substitution effect where demand is shifting to the cheaper alternative, and so Uh that that price, the ground beef, on a percentage basis is going to rise faster than the price of your fillet. And so this is how inflation particularly crushes uh, the poor and the middle class, because they are paying uh, a higher rate of inflation essentially than people with higher incomes. And you know, and to Tiana's point on on how this really is a tax, inflation is really a tax. If you mm-hmm. look at from last month's data, the average. Worker, how much they made per hour, and you compare that yep. with what they can actually buy for those hourly wages. Yep. They effectively paid a four dollar and fifty five cent inflation tax. That's like doubling a person's income tax rate to pay an extra four fifty five an hour for the average worker. But wow! That is so you're saying that's a account. that's per hour that number? Right. Right. Exactly.
2: So wow. you compare so, uh,
6: what you can buy today with yeah. your paycheck. To what you could buy when when and Biden took office once you adjust those wages that's what it is comes that out
2: to. what's that number on an annual basis in terms of income
6: Oh goodness uh, well, I suppose you'd say uh forty forty a week right so you're looking at yep. uh over uh, uh over a hundred and sixty dollars a week uh and yep. then
2: and then fifty two a year so you're looking at thousands of dollars lost Wow. Wow. All right. We only have a couple minutes left and I want to ask you the question of the day, by the way, I will be taking your calls in just a few minutes. And remember the question of the day, folks, on the More Money Hotline, which was 1-800-848-9222 or one 800 848 WABC is do you uh, favor the current income tax structure? Do you favor the national sales tax or fair tax idea, uh, which is no, no income tax at all, but a a sales tax of 16, 17 or 18 percent, but no income tax, or do you favor the Steve Forbes style flat tax? And Tiana, you are a uh, great economist. So which of those three options would you take and why?
0: So if I were starting the system from scratch, I would absolutely support a national sales tax instead of an income. I mean, especially because... Because for one thing, depending on how you design it, you can absolutely tier it so that it's extremely progressive. So you can tax a yacht at 15% while choosing to tax food at 5%, right? But also in, in, a, in a smart economy, one where we aren't running with, you know, 4% of inflation annually, we want to incentivize saving. We want to incentivize investing in the stock market. We want to invent, incentivize economic growth. In an economy like ours right now, we punish earning, and you benefit from spending because your dollar is just losing value sitting in your wallet, right? But a national sales tax style that replaces the income tax does not penalize people for making more money. It does penalize people for profligate spending, and it incentivizes savings. So that's why I would support that. That's
2: Tiana Low. Uh Desher, who is a columnist at the Washington Examiner and also a frequent guest on Fox News. And EJ, I will give you the last word. I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but flat tax or national sales tax? Where are you? Where are you on this one, EJ? Oh, I, if
6: I can't have a head
2: tax or a per
6: capita tax, then, then I'm definitely <laughs> with Tiana on this one. And I Oh, I like, you're with Tiana. I like a consum- yeah, I do like a consumption tax for, okay. for exactly all the reasons she just
2: laid out. Yep. And I'll add one other reason, which is that uh, – you get to keep every, uh, you know, penny you earn. The government doesn't take it away from you until you spend it. And I, I think that's a, uh, and, and also it would be great for April 15th, right? It would just be another, uh, spring day. Uh, that's EJ Antoni, who is a, an expert economist at the Heritage Foundation and also, uh, works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Uh, thanks so much for joining today. We will take a quick break. And when we get back, We're going to take a few of your calls. Do you like the national sales tax or do you like the flat tax? 1-800-848-9222 is the number. I want to hear from everyone. I want to hear especially from the ladies. And we will be back in one minute. This is WABC Talk Radio in this fast-paced
1: world not everyone has 30 minutes to listen to an entire podcast so we created the 77 wabc minicast it's topical it's informative and entertaining and it's only 10 minutes download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts the 77 wabc minicast the facts you need in only 10 new york minutes Sometimes entertaining. Sometimes serious. Always compelling. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. Nobody knows the game better than I do. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. Blowing the whistle on what's happening in America. Blowing the whistle on what's happening around the world. And tomorrow at 3 p.m. He's on 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative talk for New York. Streaming now on your smart speakers. Play 77 WABC. Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. That's what everybody's talking about. Talking about Judge Janine Pirro.
2: Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating
1: the headlines right now. New York discretion with no objections. She demands order in her court. Tomorrow morning at 11, it's the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show.
0: Judge Janine hero.
1: On 77 WABC. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist with more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now,
2: we are host, we are back folks. Uh this is Steve Moore. We've got 10 minutes left and we I am So pleased to see that the uh, calls are coming in uh, hot and heavy right now. The question of the day, do you favor the national sales tax to completely replace the federal income tax? Or do you favor uh, a Steve Forbes style flat tax with no deductions, no loopholes? Everybody pays a low flat rate tax that you can pay on on your postcard. Or do you like the system we have now? Mr. Producer, who was our first caller? We have a uh, K from Manhattan. Okay, go ahead. Yes,
6: um, I would say that I favor the flat tax. And the reason right. I favor the flat tax yep. is because um, I think seeing, uh, seeing things that you buy, and like like yep. in Canada, where it's just everything you pick up has this huge tax on it. And yep. another reason I favor it is because I don't think that the politicians could fool around as much with the flat tax. Yes. People would get used to it. That's my okay.
2: Opinion. You get, you get an A in economics today. And that's exactly what I love about the flat tax is we get rid of all the special interest deductions. And, you know, now if you invest in certain kind of real estate or a firm or solar power or this or that, you get a tax break and the tax breaks are all for the special interest groups. And that's why when Joe Biden said, Oh, well, the millionaires and billionaires aren't paying any taxes because Joe Biden, you wrote the tax code and you gave special interest favors to your friends. Okay. Great call. Mr. Producer, who is our second caller?
4: We have
5: George from Rockland.
2: George, thanks for calling. Which do you prefer? Hey,
6: how are you doing, Steve? Uh, all right. So I'm with the previous caller. It definitely the flat tax, and the reason for flat it tax. is quite simple. Okay, I believe uh, that if you go, if you do away with the national uh, with the income tax, all you do now,
2: the tax, especially blue taxes, gonna raise up all the usury fees. Okay. And ah, this one, right. 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 A great, great call. Great point. I think it's two to zero right now in favor of the flat tax. By the way, if you favor the income tax that we have now, if you want to, if somebody wants to defend the income tax, our number is one 800 i would love to hear from you. I think our current income tax is a disgrace to the human race. I think it is so, it's like an albatross around the neck of our economy. It costs hundreds of billions of dollars. By the way, with both of these proposals, the national sales tax and the flat tax, whichever the two of them we might choose, remember, you wouldn't have to hire 87,000 new IRS agents if, if that were the case, because the tax system would be so simple. 1-800-848-9222 is our uh, more money hotline. Mr. Producer, who is our next caller? We have John from Long Island. John, thanks for calling. Where, where do you stand on this? Yeah. Hi, Steve.
3: I went to your documentary about 15 years ago when you did it uh, in the theaters on the fare, on the fair tax. You yeah. got to get more into the weeds on this. You got to get Huckabee on the show yeah. and and get into the, the whole minutiae of it's not just the yeah. national sales tax. You get yes. to take home your whole income. The IRS, you want to drain the swamp? They're done. Yep. They're, they're gone. The oh, first I love it.
2: Time. I love it. You're exactly right. Oh, my God. I mean, you just nailed it, my friend. You want to drain the swamp, you have to get rid of the entire infrastructure, of this income tax system that, it, that employs lawyers and lobbyists and, and special interest groups and IRS agents. I mean, I love it. Great, great call. I, boy, that's a – I mean, we have, this is why I take your calls, folks. You are, we have such a smart audience. Mr. Producer, who is our next caller? we got Thomas from New Jersey. Thomas from New Jersey. We need a tiebreaker here. Steve, how are you today? Fantastic. Thank you. It's a great country.
3: Okay. My question is, is that I agree with the flat tax, but now how do you deal with that from a manufacturing standpoint? How does the manufacturer deal with the 18% sales tax on everything that they purchase? And then does that trickle down to us?
2: Oh, well, great point. If you have a national sales tax, you know that, that everything that's manufactured has to be um, taxed at 18%. But think of this, folks. If it's produced in the United States of America, um, it, you know, and it, let's say then we sell it abroad, so we export it, there's no tax applied. Whereas now, think about it, if let's say China or India or Mexico or Japan brings a product into the United States, there is a tax on that product. So this would be a huge benefit to American production. You want made in America? Do a national sales tax because then we'll be, uh, you know, the tax will not apply to things that are sold outside of the United States. And that really rewards production in the U.S. It's a great, great point. Look, I just think either one of these, <laughs> I'm kind of um, agnostic on which one we choose. Uh, it's interesting because we have a lot of the candidates uh, talking about a flat tax, including my friend Vivek. Ramaswamy. I don't know if any of the presidential candidates uh, have chosen uh, the national sales tax. And by the way, under the Biden tax proposal, tax rates on investment would go up to 60 percent. Did you hear that, folks? A 60% tax on investment. We'll have no investment in this country anymore. If you tax something, you get less of it. 1-800-848-9222. We have time for maybe one or two more quick callers. Mr. Producer, do we have any more callers?
3: Yes, we have Paul from Pennsylvania.
2: Okay. who Go go ahead. Hi, Steve. Um, I'd like to, I
6: like the idea of the national sales tax, yep. but I want them to get rid of the uh, –
2: The income tax first, because I wouldn't trust him as far as I could sell the capital. That's a great point. Boy, I mean, you you folks are so smart. (laughs) You understand Washington so well. I could not agree more with this caller that the worst thing of all would be to have a national sales tax and an income tax. (laughs) Could you imagine that? You know, you have to pay your income tax, and then you have to pay a 15% sales tax. So you got to get rid of the entire infrastructure of the income tax if you are going to move towards a national sales tax, right? You've got to completely eliminate any signs of a federal income tax. Okay. I think we can squeeze in one or two more quick ones if we have more callers, Mr. Producer. We have lots. We've got Rocco from Saratoga. Go ahead.
3: Hello. Even it's a pleasure. I have to say the consensus is the current tax system is totally broken. The <laughs> yeah, alternatives exactly. are the other two, but we'll have to go with the flat tax. I'll tell you okay. why. the the, that tax, no way the liberal left will let that get by. They'll say it's going to affect the poorest of the poor. If they're going to buy a bag of potato chips, 18 percent tax on that, not going to fly. The liberal left is going to say it's going to hurt the poor population. They don't pay regular taxes as it is, right? Well,
2: that's a good point. That's a good point. Although they do pay uh, payroll taxes and look the tax system. I mean, got a great call. Uh, Thank you for calling. Um, Remember the taxes, the income taxes are embedded already into the cost of everything you buy. So you get rid of that income tax. You're going to be talking about prices falling that you pay at the cash register. Now you have to pay a tax, you know, on top of that. But I want people to realize when, when you buy something, the cost of that income tax is, is already embedded into the cost of whether you're buying a, a bicycle or whether you're buying a car or whether you're buying a loaf of bread. Okay. I'm going to try to squeeze in one more caller. If I may, Mr. Producer, who have we got as our last caller of the afternoon? Let's go. Let's go with Sammy from the Bronx. Sandy, thanks for calling. You're the tiebreaker. We got six calls for the national sales tax and six calls <laughs> for the flat tax. Where are you?
3: Flat tax, but there's only one problem. Oh, okay. There's only one problem. The lawyer lobby and the accounting lobby would go out of their minds. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. Now, are you an accountant or a lawyer?
3: No, I'm not. But I'll tell you one thing. Under the current system, if you and I did to an individual what the government does to us, we'd be arrested for extortion. It's unbelievable. That's why so many people cheat and score around with their taxes, because they know the government's the biggest gangster there is.
2: Oh, my gosh. Great call, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in on a busy Saturday afternoon, folks. I think the tiebreaker was for the flat tax, but there was not one single call, Mr. Producer, not one call in favor of our current income tax structure. We can do so much better than this. And I got to tell you, if we have the flat tax or a national sales tax and get rid of our rancid, corrupt income tax, this country will grow so fast. It'll be like rocket fuel and we won't have poverty. We won't have unemployment. Everybody in the world is going to want to come here because we're going to have so many jobs. Folks, have a great week. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, as always. This is The More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio.